Hello, Saubona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, church. So good to see you all. Am I too loud? Okay. All right. So before we get into the world, we're going to pray. So can we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we could come together as your children and we could hear your voice and feed on you. Nothing satisfies us like you. We are here, Lord. We are willing and we are available. Speak for your children are listening. Amen. Okay. So today's word is the word feeds our spirit. Okay. How can the written and the spoken word of God feed our spirit? We're going to find out from Hebrews 4 verse 12, and it's going to be up on the screen. And it says, for the word of God is living and active and powerful, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, which is the completeness of a person, and of joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intents of the heart. Then in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, we know that God created the earth and the heavens, and he spoke the word, and it was. So the word of God has the ability to create and to form. In Genesis 1 verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. In Genesis 1 verse 9, he said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered to one place and let the dry land appear, and it was. From all of this, friends, we can see that God's word is no ordinary word. Let's recap. So the word of God is living. Turn to your neighbor and say, the word of God is living like you and I. So it's alive, people. It is active, meaning it is operative. It is able to perform actions and functions. It is powerful, so it can perform things out of the ordinary. When we think of something that's powerful, we think of something that is supernatural. It can't be contained. It has the ability to create and form, so it adds substance to something. It makes things whole and complete. The Word of God says that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, so it's accurate and precise. It hits the target every time. It knows what we need when we need it. It is God's Word that spoke us into being. It is the source of our very existence. Therefore, friends, it is the only thing that can truly satisfy our spirit. And we learned from previous teachings in the series that the Word of God is a person and has a name. And who is the Word of God? Jesus the Christ. Amen. So our focus scripture for today is from John 6, 57 to 59. But before we get there, let's just go through a little bit of a quick summary 
of how we've arrived at this point. So John, the disciple we believe Jesus loved and is the author of this book, he opens the verses and declares that Jesus is God and he stresses his unique relationship with the Father. John's hope is that we as the readers will respond to Jesus with belief in repentance and a transformed life. He presents many signs, miracles, and demonstrations of Jesus' divinity. And as we carry on reading through the, the, the book, we see that the characters in this book wrestle to respond to what Jesus is saying, who he says he is, and at the end of it, they left with a choice that either they can respond to his words and believe, or they have to turn away. So we arrive in chapter 6, verses 28, and through a, rec a recollection, John has beautifully captured uh, how, through a few signs, people are now searching for Jesus. You know, they've seen some signs, they've seen some things happening, and now they're going out and say, searching for him. And they've got one question on their mind. What must we do? And Jesus, in typical Jesus style, and please, I am paraphrasing, but he tells them, well, why didn't you become some cannibals? And obviously this just freaks them out because he's telling them, you know, you need to drink blood and you need to eat flesh. But that is what their literal thinking would have led them to believe. And it's on this that we, uh, on this storyline that we jump into John 6, verse 57 and 59, and I think it'll come up on the screen. As the living Father sent me, and uh, uh, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And Jesus is saying these things in a synagogue while he's teaching in Capernaum. So let's put this portion of scripture in context. Here Jesus is speaking to a group of people and he's responding to a question that they posed to him in verses 30 and 31 where they wanted to see a sign and so that they could believe in him. So let's just take a few steps back and in verses 28 to 33 we see that they were asking Jesus, so what must we do to be doing the works of God? And uh, Jesus is responding to them and he says, uh, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. And so they're saying, well, now hang on, you need to do some signs, you need to do some stuff. We need to see because, you know, in, back in the day with Moses, we had bread coming down, we had the manna coming down, and so we could see. So what are you going to do that we can believe? And Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses that gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread from God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, what we must keep in mind that as we read this chapter of scripture, these are the same people that as we mentioned in the beginning, went seeking for him because they saw signs. And in the process, they got a free meal out of him with the five loaves and the two fishes. 
And after doing this and getting, uh, getting the free meal, they, Jesus sees that these people aren't going to leave, uh, you know, let him go. So he pulls a disappearing act on them. And, you know, in the midst of the night, he, he leaves. Um, and so now these people are trying to find where Jesus is. Now, if we read that story, we see that Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, and we read that it took the disciples nine hours to, to travel over the sea. So, you know, in those days, they didn't have jet skis, no airplanes. They physically rode this boat. Nine hours, effectively a flight to London. I mean, effectively going overseas, you know. It's a long trip. It's not a, uh, it's not a quick walk down the road type of thing. And we see these people in pursuit of Jesus in verse 26, and they're they desperate to, to find him. And Jesus turns around and says to them, you're not here because you want to see signs. You're here for another free child. Now, I mean, to travel to London or nine hours, how many of us would actually travel to get a couple of dry rolls and a couple of sardines. I mean, before this, Jesus didn't exactly give them buttered rolls. He didn't give them tomato sauce and Coke. So, I mean, it wasn't a banquet meal that he gave them. And yet they go out searching for him, and he turns around and says to them, no, no, you, you didn't come looking for signs. You actually came for that same dry bread rolls that I gave you yesterday. So, you see, the problem was that these people, when we, when we look at that chapter, what was in their mind was the knowledge that their fathers could kick back and allow Moses to go get the bread for them. God will provide manna. God will give manna. And so, in their minds, they kicked back. They didn't have to do anything, and God will just provide. And Jesus is now on the scene and saying to them, guys, listen, it's not going to happen that way anymore. You're going to have to put some effort in. I'm going to require you to do something. And it's not quite what they wanted to hear. Jesus was inviting them not to be mindful about natural food, but to feed on him. And he provides spiritual food that is everlasting life. So looking at our scripture for today, we see that Jesus tells the crowd that sitting, sitting back and waiting for Moses, Moses' bread, will lead to death. But if they eat of him, they will live forever. Jesus is offering them an alternative to an insecure way of life. He is giving them himself, the bread of life, that they can live forever. Feeding on manna and feeding on Jesus both came from God the Father. They both came from heaven. But the one was mediated through Moses. The other was through Jesus. The former left the Israelites vulnerable to death. The latter enabled eternal life. And Jesus uses this contrast to explain to them and invite them to feed on him. So it's important that we just look at this word feeding and we read in the Greek translation, they use two interchangeable words. One, when it's referring to the, the eating that the fathers did um, when the, they had manna from heaven, is estio. And 
that refers to the fathers getting the bread and eating. But when we read where Jesus talks about eating of him, it's the word trogo, trogo. And the interesting part of these two words is that estio actually means to devour, to eat. Now, I don't know about you, but generally you don't devour a banquet meal or something that's a fine dining. You devour when you are starving, when you are hungry. You don't really care whether the burger came from McDonald's or Steers or the back of a truck. You are hungry. You devour. But trogo actually means to chew, to munch. And for me, I don't really chew and munch on something that's bitter or not pleasant. You're only going to chew and munch on something that actually tastes pleasant, that actually tastes good. If you read further down in this Greek meaning of this word trogo, it actually explains it to be fruit, vegetables, and even dessert. How's that for you? Hey, I mean, this is real scripture here. Okay, so how many people have heard of the phrase, you are what you eat? Who's heard of that phrase? Most of us, right? What does this phrase actually mean? It means that whatever you feed or consume will enter your body, affect your body, and affect your whole life. Let's take natural food, for example. If we choose to constantly eat an unhealthy diet, if we choose to go for fattening or too much of those sweet foods, then chances are we, we're not going to be very healthy. Chances are our energy levels are going to be low. Chances are we're going to have lack of stamina and endurance. On the contrary, if you choose to eat a well-balanced, healthy diet, the result is going to be good health, high energy levels, strong stamina, and endurance. In other words, what we put into our bodies affects what comes out of it. Likewise, what we feed our spirit will impact our very existence. It is going to impact what comes out of us. So our thought processes, our responses, our speech. If we're going to feed our negativity, hopelessness, Gossip, fear, unlawfulness, what's going to come out of us? Negativity, hopeless, skepticism. But if we feed on life, that is the word of God, what will come out of us? As Trish so rightfully taught last week, determination, hope, faith. We are unshaken, undeterred by circumstances. So when trying situations arise, life comes out of us. Resilience comes out of us. Joy comes out of us. The Bible says in Proverbs 31 verse 25, we can laugh at the days to come. Why can we do this, people? Because no matter what the future holds, we can have peace knowing that our lives are safe in the hands of our loving Father. So friends, I want to pose this question to us today. What are we feeding on? What is our daily source of input? What is framing our thoughts? Is it the negativity on the news? Is it gossip? 
Is it perhaps discouraging words from certain family members or colleagues? Is it social media? Is it a form of new age theology? Or is it the living, active, powerful, accurate word of God? Jesus said if we feed on him, we will live forever because of him. This essentially means if we are feeding on anything else outside of him, then the result is going to be spiritual death. And symptoms of that is going to be depression, anxiety, frustration, hopelessness. So I want us to take some time now to just cellar and just ponder on what are we allowing to feed us daily? What is filling us? Where, what's encompassing our thought processes and our mindset? Let's take a few minutes to do that. Thank you, friends. So now we're going to do a little experiment. Who likes experiments? One person. The rest of us? <laughs> OK, so I want you all to please close your eyes. And I want you to think of the most delicious meal you have ever tasted. The meal that you could eat as often as you can, that just excites you and brings such joy to you. Some may be thinking of a succulent steak, others a scrumptious burger, some a decadent dessert. If you've got your meal or your favorite dish, I want you to open your eyes. Some people are still thinking. There's quite a few meals there. <laughs> okay, so can I ask, who thought of that succulent steak? And the guys picking up their hands. Okay, who thought of a decadent slice of black forest cake? One lady, please come, come forward. <laughs> Okay, and you are our first volunteer. You can just stand there for me. All right, then who thought of a scrumptious burger with all the works? Okay, I had a feeling it's going to be subs. <laughs> who thought of perhaps a caramelized cheesecake, a smooth cheesecake that's salted and sweet? Sandile, Sandile, come. <laughs> Okay, you're going to stand on that side. Spore, is he okay there? Okay. All right. I please want you all to tell everybody a little bit about this cake or this dessert that you enjoy so much. Just a few things. What can you tell us about it? 
Woolies Black Forest, okay? We need to hear this. Talk, uh, just keep talking. <laughs> Wow. It's perfect. Thank you so much for that. Okay, and Sandile? One, two, one, two, there you go. Should she go again? Did everybody hear her? Would you like her to go again? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, dear. <laughs> You're going again. Hi. <laughs> so I was saying it's the Woolies uh, Black Forest cake for me. It just does it. I can eat the whole cake by myself. I love the balance of the ingredients. It's not too sweet. It's, it's not too big. So, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for that. And Sandile? Okay. Ooh, Jesus, help me. Uh, well, this is a guilty pleasure. Okay. So, you have your shortbread cookies crushed yes. with the food, pro food processor. Yes. And then melted unsalted butter because you know, right? make it nice and white and then put it nice there, la payana and then you take your cheeses yeah cream cheese mom fundis nah get your cream cheese you add your condensed milk your 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 colorant marshmallows yeah mix mix and then top it up bake it for 30 minutes and then nah it's fine and guys, that is the recipe for a baked cheesecake. <laughs> You're not going. Okay, so tell me, was it enough for y'all just to envision or have knowledge of this favorite dessert? Did it satisfy you? Did it satisfy that sweet craving just to envision it? No. No, no. But how about we give you a piece to taste and Jesus, feed yes, on yes, yes. your favorite dessert. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, you okay there? Okay. So, go on, have a piece of your favorite dessert. You're welcome. You okay there? She's okay. So now, was that satisfying enough? Absolutely, okay. Can we give our volunteers a hand, please? <laughs> okay, they're gone with the cakes. 
Okay, so the true pleasure, satisfaction, and nourishment does not come from just seeing or envisioning our food, not ha just having the knowledge of it, but by tasting, chewing, and feeding on it, just like the Word of God. So how many people know that we are sheep and Jesus is our good shepherd? Everyone, right? John 10 verses 11 and 27, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. An interesting fact about sheep is they belong to a class of animals known as ruminants. And they are called ruminants because they have a compartment known as a rumen in their stomach or their abdominal cavity. So that when they eat at a, at a quick pace, the food goes into this cavity. But then when they're at rest, an amazing thing happens. They regurgitate this food. They re-chew it and they re-swallow it. So as much as it may seem like an, an awful experience to us, this process known as cud chewing is essential for them to absorb maximum nutrients and sustenance and vitamins from their food. So this process helps digestion and absorption of nutrients. As the sheep of Jesus, this is what we need to do with the Word of God. Chew, regurgitate, and chew so we can absorb all the nutrients and all the sustenance from God's Word. This is the only thing that can change us from the inside out. So like the cake experiment, true satisfaction and fulfillment did not just come from envisioning their favorite meal or having knowledge of their favorite meal, but by tasting, chewing, digesting. Deeper understanding and revelation does not come by just receiving Jesus or knowing about Jesus. This is great and it's the first step to getting there. But we need to study the word. We need to meditate on the word. We need to believe the word and to ask the Holy Spirit who is the most willing teacher to teach us the word of God. This is the only way it will have impact in our lives. As we do this, we will find that it changes us from the inside out. We become better human beings. We become better human beings to be around. We become more friendly. We begin to love unconditionally. It empowers us to overcome our fears. So we start to encourage people and motivate them and be an example to them. We become stronger in things we were once weak in. We begin to find solutions to problems and challenges around us. This is because, friends, the Word of God is living active and powerful. It can go where we can't go and it can do what we can't do, provided we believe it and we meditate on it. Amen? Amen. Tag to you, hon. Don't know about you, but after all this talking of food, I'm hungry. Yeah, So why is Jesus inviting us to feed on him? Well, we must remember that he was there in the beginning. Remember the scripture, it says, remember the, uh, the word was with God and the word was God. 
And so he knows our makeup. He understands how we are made. And he also knows what will truly satisfy us. In Psalms 1, verses 2 to 3, we read, Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of living waters that heals its fruits in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does prospers. Jesus wants us to prosper because he cares. He sees our initial need for, uh, he doesn't just look at our initial need as we see it, we need our bread, we need that, like the Israelites, we needed just that, that manner. But he sees what our true need is, and that's reconciliation with the Father. Jesus is willing to actually give himself up to just make this happen for you and I, so that you and I can live forever. He gives life physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So how do we feed on him? Well, as we've seen, even though we, Sandila and them could have sat here and looked at the cake, it doesn't quite happen. Feeding is a holistic exercise. It involves firstly believing that what you are eating is edible and is good for you. If Sandile thought that was a plastic cake or it had ratex or something in it, not really going to eat it. So he had to believe that firstly he had to have trust that, you know, we didn't spike the cake, we actually were going to do good for him and we genuinely gave him something edible and good for him. So it involves believing, it involves receiving, it involves an active role. It is not just a prayer that we can put our hand up and say, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. There's a process and it requires us having Jesus become part of who we are. Feeding on Jesus is active obedience of faith that continues to impact our whole person. Feeding on his word is part of this process. Feeding on him and reading his scriptures and taking communion is a reminder of his sacrifice and the new covenant. It is a whole body experience. It is not just one element. We do this so that it impacts us from the inside out. We read that Jesus says his food was to do the will of the Father. So if his food was to do the will of the Father, what is our food? Well, if our food is to eat of him, then that takes us to a place to do the will of the Father. By knowing the scriptures and responding to what we read with obedience, trust, and faith is believing. And believing is submitting our lives to obey and to be transformed by Him. In our actions, our actions in this completes this meal, just like that, uh, that cheesecake. Sandile's actions completed the meal, not Him just appearing there. In Galatians 2 verses 20, 
we read, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So what are some of the disciplines that we need to have when we feed on his word? Number one, we need to be intentional. I think it will come up there. We need to make time for it. It's not just going to happen. We need to meditate on it. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us a deeper revelation. We need to believe it. And believing is one of the most important parts because we can read it as much as we want to, but if we don't truly believe that it is good and edifying for us, it is completely pointless. Being obedient to it, so acting on it even though it's uncomfortable, and applying it. As we do this, the word brings direction to our lives. It brings correction and reproof to our lives. We are encouraged and edified by it. It gives us peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It gives us direction. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It strengthens us and it sets us free. So as we begin to do this, we start living life from a different perspective. We start seeing challenges more as opportunities. We must take note that feeding is that active process and it's only in that active process does the true nourishment and the true filling take place. We cannot simply be filled if we don't actively engage. What we are filled with will come out when life happens. When you sit in that stressful moment, when you sit in, in that moment of anxiety or you sit in that moment of despair, what is truly and what, is, what you've been feeding on is gonna come out. And like Navasha was saying, if you were feeding on stuff that was on social media or feeding on a new age theology, you're probably gonna end up with a whole lot of nothingness because that's what that theology is about. So you have to feed on something that has substance so that when life starts to happen, that comes out. So in closing, let's just recap of what's, what's happened and transpired here. Sometimes we can be like that crowd that wanted a meal from Jesus. We remember that they literally were willing to go on that nine hour journey to go find him. They were willing to go right across the ocean or the sea just to get to him. But all they wanted was that free meal. Even though he had shown up previously and showed them the signs, that was the real reason why they actually followed him. They followed him, they, they went to him because they saw the signs. But yet they still wanted another sign. Is that us sometimes? We are able to go to a nine hour job, we are able to strive, we are able to do all these things, 
to have that thing that is going to be perishable, to have that meal on our table, or to have that next thing that is so gleaming and great to us. And we don't have enough time to eat of something that will actually produce eternal life. Sometimes the difficulties in life does disappoint us, and it leaves us asking a question. How can God actually allow this to happen? But we read in the scripture that Jesus chose 12 disciples knowing that one will betray him, knowing that one had the devil in him, but he still chose the one. What would have happened if Jesus never chose Jesus and he just chose a perfect scenario? Twelve disciples that just ate of everything he said. Twelve disciples that did everything that he asked. Friends, if Judas, Judas didn't betray Jesus, uh, Jesus, you and I wouldn't have eternal life today. It was through that hardship, even choosing the one that he knew was going to betray him, knowing the hardship, but choosing to walk through it, that produced eternal life. The difficulty and the uncomfortableness in our lives is sometimes allowed by God. Let's look at the story of the Israelites because this is what we have been talking about. These people, the Jews, they were saying, Jesus, you know what? Our fathers got manna from heaven. They were given bread. What do you want us to do? Can we get another free meal? And he was saying, no, it's time for you to actually start actively eating off me. You see, the free bread that the Israelites got when they were in the wilderness, we all know how their story ended. They died in the wilderness. The easy stuff doesn't produce life. Handouts don't produce life. Sitting and waiting for God to just do it without you taking an active role isn't going to produce life. They still murmured even though they had a free meal every day. They still complained bitterly. It never transformed their lives. They never reached their true potential. We read in verses 53, and Jesus summarizes this two days of events. And he blatantly says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, what is he saying? Unless I am one with him, unless you are one with him, it's meaningless. That is the invitation to us, friends, that we need to become one embodied with him. So I ask you, what is pressing on our hearts this morning? Have we been taking that time to, on him? Have we been taking that time to really chew on his word? You see, taking communion isn't about just coming in the front or when the emblems are being passed out and say, Jesus, Father, forgive me. 
thank you for your blood. It's actually becoming one with Christ. It's saying, I fully accept your covenant. I fully accept what you've done on the cross for me. I become one with you so that I can be with God. We read in verse 66 of this chapter, and after Jesus told them what they need to do, you need to feed, you need to chew, these people that had this whole story, listen, Moses gave us bread, and why aren't you going to give us bread? We read in chapter 26, after he said, listen, you need to feed on me, and it's going to be your responsibility to actively engage in this. Many of the disciples turned around and left. That there just stands out to us. The people were so happy to see the signs. They spent two days, they went nine hours on a trip. It was so easy to see the signs. It was so easy to get the free meal. But the minute he said, it's your responsibility, you need to actively take participation and eat of me, it was too much for them. They'd rather walk away. And unfortunately, friends, that is a reality in a church setting so often that it's so easy for us to come into this room or so easy for us to get online and allow the pastor to feed us. It's so easy to switch the TV on and to listen to a sermon and allow that to feed us. It's so easy to play worship music on the way to, uh, on the way to work and say, well, that's my feeding. But the minute Jesus says to us, you need to actually participate. You need to take responsibility for your salvation. You need to take this word. You need to chew on it. You need to spend time in it. You need to come and have fellowship with me. It becomes too much for us. And we'd rather leave the doors. Friends, we can't be like those disciples. We can't be walking away when the invitation is too much. There is effort that is required from us in this walk. It is no, it's not just about knowing Him. It's just not knowing of Him. It isn't coming here and saying a prayer, but we need to consistently chew on Him, feed on Him, know who He is, know what He is saying in our lives where he is actively shaping and molding us to look like him. Can I ask us to close our eyes? And can we take a moment just to examine our hearts and look at our lives? And is this too much of a question that Jesus has posed to us? Is it too difficult for us to feed on him? Is it too much for us to take that time to spend fellowship with Him? Or is it easier for us to put on the next television series of whatever church is online? Or is it easier for us to just come and listen to the next sermon? What are we willing to do?
want to make an invitation to us this morning. In Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 3, and I'm going to paraphrase. It says, Come, those who are thirsty, come and drink of this water. Come and have wine and milk without money that you have to buy. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to spend money on it. You can come and have the finest. Come and eat of me. Incline your ear and come to him. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.